this week in headline news. After spending much of his life foster care boy now spends much of his free time caring for shelter dogs. And the lost children of Los Angeles County. Foster care of reform lives daily through growing plants and in fostering hope in the city of Sick. We found an article on ChristianPost.com, Fostering Hope in the City of Sin, from the Christian Post. This story tells a story about Carly Souza, who at the age of eight witnessed a classmate's adoption, and it really made a lasting impact on her. Today, Carly and her husband have seven children, five of them came through adoption, and two by birth. She is currently leading Fostering Hope, a Las Vegas church-based ministry that she founded in 2012. Fostering Hope is working alongside churches in the Las Vegas Valley to help children in foster care, which is something that really resonates with me because one of the ways that we first came into foster care was my realization of just how much, as much as I saw the church I grew up in, was not seeing foster care as any sort of a mission field or anything to be involved in. Carly realized that there's roughly a half a million children in the foster care system, and that's a big number. There's roughly 3,500 children in foster care, ranging in age from birth to 18 years old, in the state of Nevada. Approximately 28% of these children have experienced four or more placements within the foster care system. That's a pretty huge number, don't you think? Oh, it's it's terrible. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, one placement is, is traumatic for a kid, but four placements? Four different attachments? How do you learn to trust? Four placements, four different attachments broken, and every one worse than the first. Because... They tell you that you're coming here to a place that's safe, and then a place that's supposed to love you and take care of you, and then that's broken. That's huge. So I think that number alone is enough to get people's attention and hopefully realize the need for some stable foster care homes. Another stat in here is that uh, more than 23,000 kids age out of the U.S. foster care system each year without having a forever family, a place to go back and lean into and call their home. That's another pretty scary number, 23,000 kids without a support system. Without a family, without a home, no place to go for Christmas. No place to go when the rent's not being paid. No place to go when you find yourself in a medical emergency that you can't pay for your life as you need it. And is it any wonder that so many of these kids end up with different chemical dependencies, criminal records early pregnancies, or even being trafficked in the sex industry. It's a huge piece of our subculture that we need to pay attention to. And I love the fact that Carly Souza's early experience has pushed her to finding a way to help kids who have found themselves in this situation. Another part of the article says that Jason Weber, the National Director of Foster Care Initiatives for Christian Alliance for Orphans, said that in the past, churches would kind of sit back and sometimes be critical of the state and talk about the ways they're falling short. Now they look at it and say, man, we were supposed to be at this party a long time ago. We're here now. How can we help? I think that's a huge piece. We're here in the Midwest. 
And I know that if you get out to the coast, maybe it's different numbers, but a large portion of the people around here are part of a church. That's a piece of their life, right? It's a big, big piece of culture, family. And if you look at all these people who are going to a church, who are looking for a way to reach out out of their church into people who need help, who else could you help that would be more impacted than the foster care system? Yeah, our children, they're right here, right now. They're waiting for someone to step up for them. You know, I, I've been to several churches. I'm, I'm not big into church. I wasn't raised that way. But I've been to quite a few churches in, in my adult life with you and, and our kids. You know, I see all these different missions that they do. They're going places. They're helping people around the world. They're collecting shoeboxes full of school supplies and, you know, just the different things that they do. And there are a lot of good things. But I don't see many that are helping right here on the front lines with the tragedy that's happening right here in our own backyards. Uh, 100% agree. That's a big piece of our culture that we need to be willing to step up and, and put our own effort and energy behind and open our families and our hearts to helping kids. Even if you can't maybe take a kid in, there's always a thousand things you can do. It says here that Carly opened up her home to uh, foster families to start a once a month meeting for a support group. And it kind of outgrew the space. And next thing you know, they, they ended up talking to the church to use their space and kind of just grew from there. And now they have a, a church that has stepped in to provide more space, childcare, assistance, and a fully engaged church. To the point where the church is now calling foster care a core ministry of the church. And that is a huge piece of the church's ability to reach out to other people in the area, in that church community, to begin helping kids who otherwise have nobody to help them with. And I'm, and I'm certain, like most governmental agencies, it says they were fairly skeptical that a church could be able to take care of this, um, but suddenly they realized the power behind reaching in these faith-based organizations, and they're reaching out looking for, for more engagement and more partners. Fostering Hope has had 300 different individuals go through certification classes, so that's 300 foster families, or maybe 150 if it's a husband and wife, but that's a huge number for, for a church to be able to add to a community, especially in a place like Las Vegas, where the crime rate is such that they probably have a larger need than the smaller rural communities like we have around us. But to be honest, we could probably use a couple hundred foster families in our area, too. I think every community could. Yeah, but you take that number, that number of 300, and like you said, even if it's a husband and wife, and you knock that down to 150, if they just foster one child, that's 150 children that have a safe bed, food to eat, a place to rest their head, to call home. You know, and I'm certain that it's more than that because there's lots of single parents that are out there doing it. You know, you don't have to be a husband and a wife. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, foster care is a tough thing for all of us. Um, there's hard parts. There, there's easy parts, easier parts, I guess I would say. You know, that's that's the moment when a kid finally trusts you and leans back and, you you know, you get a, a little one to climb up on your lap and snug you and, and be happy and content and, and you see some of those milestones being met. But there's a hard, messy exterior that you got to get to before you get to that point. And I think it's... It would be a lie to say that it, it starts out easy because it never starts easy. You know, there's there's this meme that I've seen several times, and I and I find it a little humorous. It's not humorous, but it is. 
Um, and I've seen it on several foster groups, and it says, I hate you, Mom. And the mom is in the background crying, he finally called me Mom. It, it's that sentiment. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree 100%. But, you know, this is this is a place where somebody has realized that there's a need and done something about it. I think that's an amazing part. That's the piece that we can all learn from. We have a, a, a lady, Carly, there who has realized that there's a huge need. There's a place where she can step in and she can help. She can make a difference. And she to- chose to do it. So it's great to see somebody like Carly who can step in and take action and make a difference. Again, if you're interested in learning about Fostering for Hope or what you can do in your own community, you can always connect with Carly Souza at fosteringhopelv.com. That's fosteringhopelv, as in Las Vegas, .com. Go check out the site at uh, thechristianpost.com and see what you can learn about what you could do to make a difference. Our next story comes to us out of Palm Coast, Florida. We found this on KTVU.com's website. It's a Fox 2 news station down there. The headline is, after spending much of his life in foster care, Boyd now spends much of his free time caring for shelter dogs. This story kind of pulled at everybody's heartstrings when it showed up on Facebook. This young man is 8 years old, and he spent a good portion of his life in foster care. Robbie has been adopted into a home with Maria Gay. And he, they say he's really especially drawn to older pets because they're less likely to get adopted than younger pets that come through the shelter. Robbie seems to know a thing or two about what it's like to see kids who feel unwanted, who feel unloved. Well, yeah, I mean, in the story, it says that Robbie's been in and out of six different foster homes before he was at his forever home. Yeah, it's evident that he understands that deeper than most people do. He can really relate to to animals, I think, that maybe feel like somebody's not not searching for them to love. And that's a sad thing to say about a young man, about a kid of that age. But that's the truth. That's his truth. In the article, it quotes Robbie saying, It's like kids in foster care. Like, Like the pound to dogs is a group home to people. That's kind of a profound statement from such a young mind. I mean, he's so young, but already knows so many hard truths about the world. Exactly. His mom mentioned in here that in order to get through what he's been through, he had to harden. And now he's he's finally beginning to find a place where he can start to grieve and show loss and understand that there's a future ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, his mom was saying that it's it's been some of the first times that she's seen her son show grief and emotions. And that's, that's scary. You know, it's scary that it takes six homes, six different placements for our children to feel safe, safe enough to show their emotions and how they feel and express that. One of the last lines of the story where he, he says that, um, he, he compares that situation to his experience with his own adoptive mother. And when he says, well, you've only known me for two years, but you love me like it's been forever. Kudos to Maria, the mom and dad, if he's there, because my gosh, 
Like, this young man understands something. And I think that the beauty of it is that this kid has found something that can be, you know, a hard thing to do. Well, and I can relate to this young man. You know, it's part of the reason why we do what we do. You know, I never wanted my children to know that they weren't loved. I never wanted them to feel that way. And when I was looking at this article and and was reading through it, you know, the young man says, I know how it feels to not be loved or cared for. And I don't want any animals of mine to ever feel that way. I understand those sentiments. I understand those words. And it can be very powerful. And for this young man to express that and get it in such a young age. We're looking at a young man that's going to change the world. He's going to do something great. Yeah, he's eight. And he's already made national news. Uh, He's eight and he gets a lot more than a lot of us do. Uh, I think another interesting piece of this is, you know, we talked with uh, Rebecca Britt from Stable Moments a while back, and she talked about the importance of of animal therapy with animals for these kids and how some kids really relate well to some of these animals. And I think this is just another great example of a way that if you don't have a, a program around you like Stable Moments where a kid can work with horses, I bet you have a dog shelter around you where a kid could volunteer if that was something that they were interested in. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's a great experience for the kids. It's a great experience for the animals. But I, th- I think the biggest point is, is you know, for for children, especially children from trauma, animals don't let you down. They just want to be there beside you, giving you a little bit of support, showing interest in you, you know, giving you attention, all the things that young kids need. You know, there's a Facebook meme that goes around from time to time, and I don't know that it has a heart exactly what I'm saying, but it it kind of carries some of the meaning. You know, lock your wife in a trunk for an hour, and when you open it, I want to see what her face looks like. Then lock your dog in a trunk for an hour, and when you open it, see which one was smiling bigger, right? <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I'm not going to be smiling. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. Let's not try that experiment. Okay, I'm not going to lock you in the trunk. Appreciate. But the truth is, is that these animals have that ability to to forgive, to forget, to move on, to always be happy to see us. And I think that's a place where a kid who does not know how to trust humans can maybe learn to trust again. In our third story, named The Lost Children in Los Angeles County, foster care reform moves steadily through growing pains. This story comes from Pasadena Now at PasadenaNow.com. I found this to be an interesting story because of the numbers, more or less. If you're a numbers guy or gal, this is this is full of those. Talking about the children in foster care in L.A. County. 18,000 children now are moving through the L.A. County foster care system. That is crazy. I mean, that, that's just wow. The county has 88 cities. The number of kids moving through that, I mean, that's a huge behemoth of a monster uh, for any um, for any agency, but that's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of potential for kids to fall through the cracks. So I love the fact that they have looked at it and decided that they need to, to revamp some of their systems because, I mean, let's be honest, every system we have needs a little bit of revamping. I mean, have you looked at your budget lately? I bet you it's not the perfect budget ever, unless you're one of those people who are weird. <laughs> because our budget is not perfect. 
Well, I mean, they could probably use a tweak in here or there. Here or there, maybe. (laughs) But the continuum of care they have, um, it works with a bunch of different pieces. Approved relative caregivers, which is, I think, a healthy thing for us to all think about, is the healthiest place for a kid to be is in a family placement, preferably with a biological mom and dad who love them. But if not, you know, a relative who is capable of providing that care to a kid is the second best thing that I can imagine putting them in because chances are they already have a, a connection of some sort to an aunt or an uncle or an in-law or somebody right, in the family. Cousins, nephews, you know, there's still that family connection. There's still familiarity there. It's not strangers. Yeah. You know, one of the other um, pieces they have, the child and family teaming, it's an approach to coordinated care and case planning for all the children and youth in the foster care system. You know, taking the time to, to put those teams together and to work through it and allow the kids to maybe even be a part of, of understanding that. That's huge. Now, I don't know if they, if they let the kids in to be a part of understanding it, but, I mean, if they're old enough and they're able to be part of that, that how else can you get more buy-in than by making them part of it? They have their pathways to mental health. That's something that I talked about earlier on, a, on another call today with, with a few guys about the importance of mental health in children. I mean, I grew up in an era where mental health was not a, a thing we talked about, right? You were either crazy or you were normal. That no, was you hit it. You slept it under the rug. You didn't go to a doctor. You didn't take meds. You didn't admit that to anybody. You know, and you didn't use therapists because people would find out. And, and the idea that that is the best way for a kid who's been through some really severe traumas oftentimes is just ridiculous. You know, I love the idea of helping out kids and paying attention to their mental health. That, that's a big thing. They have the quality, yeah. They have the quality parenting initiative to create new strategies and practices for parents. I mean, couldn't we all use a few of those? Oh yeah, I've got a lot of parenting fails under my belt. <laughs> the more kids you have, the more parenting <laughs> fails you you acquire. Um, they have a residentially based services reform, which I mean, the residential services I haven't personally dealt with. But I haven't heard a whole lot of great stories about that over time. So that sounds like something that would be beneficial to uh, to pay attention to. And a resource family approval program. It's a pilot program that provides training and assessment for families who want to parent children who are in foster care. That's, that's a great idea to provide some of this training to parents who need that before they are able to step in. It's just like a lot of other things in life. You know, when our older children were younger, we did um, we homeschooled them for a while. And I have nothing against the, the public school system. At the time, it was just a place we felt was best for our kids for where they were in their heads. But we also met a lot of other homeschooling parents. And some of them were amazing parents who had probably given the kids the best education they could have ever wanted. And we saw some who maybe needed a little bit of something before they started doing it, right? I mean, there's one particular family. I, I'm not here to name names, not that I could remember if I if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we we met one family, and, and the mom just was she was ill-equipped for it. She didn't have the patience for it, and it, it showed through when we would see them. And and the whole time that, that we were in any sort of learning environment with them, a lot of it got tied up in a mom who was busy being triggered, who was already wound up. Now, one of her kids did have some learning disabilities that that caused her to struggle a lot. But the same thing goes in every situation to include foster care. If you're a parent who has some of those struggles, 
maybe getting some training ahead of time, getting some experience under your belt to be able to be the best possible place for a kid to be. I think that's that's worth paying attention to. That's worth really being serious about and going, hey, I would love to help kids, but I'm not trained yet. I'm not I'm not in a place where I'm ready to, to give that kind of help. Give me some help. Well, and when you know better, you can do better. The article ends with a paragraph, as Supervisor Barger told Pasadena Now, there is always more that can be done to support a foster youth, and I encourage everyone to do what they can to get involved with the foster care system by becoming a foster parent, a mentor, or volunteer contributing time and talent to those in need. And I think that last little piece is so important, because as a foster parent, you always have people who give you the platitudes, special place in heaven, blah, 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 takes a special man to love another man's child, you know, and all that, you know, I... I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek, but the truth is is that there's always something you can do. You may not be prepared to be a foster parent, and I get that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if foster care is something that you feel pulled towards, but you're not ready to do it, maybe you need a bigger house, maybe your family needs to wait until a couple of your younger kids get a little bit older, maybe you have an older kid moving out, whatever the reason is, it doesn't mean that you can't do anything to help. No, there's always something you could do, man. I would love for someone to come and sweep my floors and mop my dishes. <laughs> if they mop your dishes, we're going to have problems. See? <laughs> That's how frazzled parents get, though. Amen. There's There's always something. You know, make a meal. Be a listening ear. You know, you got that mama that's, that's at her wit's end, and she's in the store with, with five, six kids. Give her a hand. Just a, a simple, hey, mama, you're doing okay. You got this. You know, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to show kindness to another person. And then there's programs like Big Brothers and Big Sisters and a whole host of other problems. Yeah, you programs. got your casas. Uh, yeah. there's- where, where you have the opportunity to step in and be a mentor and really add some of your life experiences to a, a child's life, to speak into their life where your your experience can help them. And you don't have to be a foster parent for it. And, um, you know, the the CASA program that Amanda's mentioning, that's another opportunity to go in and help a kid. You know, if you have a special skill set that you could give to a group of kids, you know, I remember when our boys were in Scouts and we had a lot of single moms. I was a den mom, but we had a lot of single moms. And I, I remember we had, you know, big thing, Pinewood Derby. And I remember you setting up a shop for the boys you know, any of the boys in our troop could come over and you'd help them with their cars. Yep. You know, so they're ready for the derby. And it, you know, there are so many boys that needed that help. And there are so many moms that were grateful because they didn't have that resource. And let me tell you, before you start sending me Pinewood Derby cars. Yeah, don't. I don't want any more of them. My cars didn't necessarily win. But the fact is, is that just taking the time to spend some time with a kid, let them know that they're worth it. That's worth way more than the $12.95 plastic Pinewood Derby trophy ever was. Anywhere that you can contribute your time, your talent, your your understanding, your skill set, and teach kids things that, that a parent may not have the time, skills, the talent, the ability, you can step in and help, even if it is just coming over to be a, a listening ear to somebody. It's talking to another foster parent and saying, hey man, I get it. You know, you guys are struggling. How can I help? And maybe sometimes it's just going to the store and grabbing a couple things on a day when a kid is having a meltdown, right? Because not every kid who comes into foster care has mental issues, right? That That's one of those things everybody sees 
the idea of foster kids as maybe being like a broken kid or something. And that's nothing but, but just fear stepping in, in the mindset that of people who are talking. But the truth is, is that sometimes you do have a kid who's having a rough day. Sometimes you really need to get to the store and get the milk and get food for dinner. And you just don't have time to do all that and give this kid the time and attention he needs. So if you know a kid, you know a parent, you know somebody who's in need, reach out and ask, is there something I can do today? How can I help you? There's something that all of us can do. And before we sit around and complain about how the foster care system is broken, how the world is a messed up place, what if we first sat down and said, hey, how can we help the world be a better place? What can I do right now? You know, ask yourself that and then do it. You know, when you call that mom and she says, no, I'm fine. We all say we're fine. That's, you know, that's standard. I'm fine. I got this. I'm good. You know, when the truth of the matter is, is my world could be crumbling. I've been up all night with a sick baby. I'm sick myself. I just need someone to run to Walgreens for me and get me some more Tylenol. Just show up. Act. You know, not everybody is fine even when they say they are. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest lies in the world. That's that four-letter F word. Fine. Don't believe it. We all need help. Reach in. Help the people around you. This is your opportunity to reach in and help to provide strength for the weakest among us.